you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Sampaio, Chavez Green Fiends, and today is one of my solo episodes. Baseball is back. Pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. All is right in the world. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, a couple of quotes from Dave Roberts. A couple of quotes from Blake Snell. And then get into uh, just a little monologue I have about Fernando Tatis and the Padres signing him to a very, very long extension. But before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Lockdown Dodgers wherever you get your podcast. When you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked on Dodgers. All right, one little quick bit of news. The Dodgers brought back Ron Renicki. He will be a special assistant to the GM. Uh, didn't get much more beyond that, but someone who is back in the Dodgers uh, organization and, and a guy that was good to have. He was a third base coach for a while. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just a little, little bit of news there. But let's get into... Pitchers and catchers are back. Uh, it was great to see guys coming in and you know getting ready to work out. We didn't get the normal Alana videos that we're used to have seen everybody walk in. We got some few photos, uh, a couple photos, you know, one photo specifically of Trevor Bauer with his little vlog camera that he that he carries around sometimes. I'm sure that got. A, I wasn't on social media too much, but I'm sure that got a, a little bit of run on social media. And the, the nice little surprise was seeing David Price. David Price has reported to spring training, so that's a good thing. Uh, all indications so far is that he's going to play for the Dodgers this year. Assuming they don't trade him, that's going to happen, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, nothing else too noteworthy out of the first day, uh, but Dave Roberts did have a quote. There's going to be a lot of talk about the Padres and the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, after the offseason the Padres had, the Dodgers coming off a World Series championship and adding Trevor Bauer. They're expected to be two of the best teams in the majors. And Dave Roberts had a quote that said, you know what, I think it's been very well documented what they did this winter. Now they've gotten better as an organization over the last two, three years. I'll be the first to tell our guys I don't really care what the Padres do or don't do or any team in our division. The focus has got to be and always has been on how we prepare and how we play. Then everything will take care of itself. I don't mean to sound brash or how do I say it. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but the fact is I really don't care what moves the Padres make. And it's true that, you know, he didn't say anything wrong. It's very true that. The way the Dodgers are built, the way the Dodgers have been built, uh, winners of seven straight NOS titles, that there's no team better than them on paper currently. There's no team that can really compete with them if they do everything they need to do. So, I, I mean, I, I didn't. I don't know if the quote 
caught off or I don't know if Padre fans are upset with it. But at the end of the day, you know, why would Dave Roberts care about the Padres? He has to care about the Dodgers. He has to care about getting them ready. He has to make sure, you know, there's no World Series hangover, that all, that all the guys are coming ready to play. Everyone's going to be in the right spot and everything like that. And at the end of the day, if the Dodgers play how they need to play, the Padres won't really matter. They'll be in second place by probably, you know, five to ten games. And rightfully so, uh, the Dodgers have have built a team that is able to sustain that. I think the big thing that people aren't realizing this year is that there's going to be 162 games, hopefully for the most part, or at least more than the 60 games there was last year. And while the while the Padres did have good, they do have a really good team. And I've been telling people is that they what they've done is close the gap on the Dodgers. They haven't evened it, but they've closed the gap enough to where. Things go right for the Padres. The Dodgers stumble. It's very easy to see them winning the division. But as we've seen with the Dodgers, the way they've been built with depth and and everything else is that these Dodgers are built for 162 games. It's very hard to play better than them, better than them over the course of 162 games. The Rockies almost did it while the Dodgers slogged through the 2018 season. They didn't do it through 162. They went to 163, and we all know what happened there. So for the Dodgers, I, I you know it's a good thing that you know, Dave Roberts has this mentality. I'm sure, most of the Dodgers have this mentality, and it's and it's easy to not look over and see what they've done. But but the fact of the matter that the Dodgers went out and got the reigning Cy Young Award winner kind of you know adds to the flair on the Dodgers side, and kind of you know puts the Dodgers in the mindset of okay, they got better, they weren't better than us, or they were maybe close to being better than us. And then we went on ahead and did something that puts us back ahead of them. And I, I think that's most important for the Dodgers is that they they need to find the the, the reasoning for going through 162 uh, with full and full mental and physical uh, strength. And and not that they they weren't going to do it anyways, but having a team like the Padres that they're probably going to get questions about and, and things like that. Uh, it's just is a nice little boost to add uh, coming off a World Series win. We've seen a lot of teams come off World Series wins in different ways. The Dodgers lost a few role players, but for the most part, the, the main core is back. They added a better starting pitcher, two starting pitchers with Price coming coming back and then um, Trevor Bauer. So it, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Dodger fan. And uh, the fact of the matter is that if they play their game, there is nobody that can knock them off, at least in the NL West. And maybe not even in the entire major league, so I'm excited for baseball. I'm excited for the Dodgers and and see what they can do. And I don't know. I, I'm I just I can't put it into words, man. I'm really hyped. Now, while there may be a probably a little bit bigger discussion here of the Padres and and Dodgers and rivalry, the word that's been thrown out a lot lately. But maybe Jeff and I will talk about that a little bit on tomorrow's episode. But Blake Snell, who uh, faced the Dodgers in the World Series and is now on the Padres. He was uh, had some quotes, nothing, uh, nothing crazier out of the ordinary. He talked about how the the Padres got better in the offseason, the Dodgers followed, got better in the offseason, and that's how it's you know it's exciting. It's going to be a fun series. Everyone's talking about it. That's what it's about. He went on to say that you know, facing the Dodgers is going to make him an even better pitcher. He's excited to get a pitch against them, and he hopes that he gets to pitch against them every time they play each other. Something he looks forward to, and he really can't wait for it. He said, I know how the rivalry's been. I know it's a little feisty lately, and I'm here for all of that. And I'm looking forward to being a part of it. And hopefully that puts us on the winning side more than that. 
And, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see the Dodgers. They hadn't – I don't remember how many times they had faced Blake Snell before the World Series, uh, but it wasn't often if it was. And he did dominate them through five innings for two of his starts uh, before the Dodgers were able to to put some runs on or, or through five innings one time, maybe through four and two-thirds the other time. But either way, he was able to do pretty well against them. And now he'll get to face them more often, you know, potentially five or six times in a regular season and then maybe again in the postseason. And while it may benefit Snell and make him a better pitcher, it's also going to be better for the Dodgers to be facing these guys. You know, it's hard to beat a pitcher or it's hard for a pitcher to beat a hitter five, six times, two, three at-bats a game. It's hard for, you know, hitters to maybe make some adjustments or be ready for some of the other sides. So it's going to be a a nice battle, but I think in the long run, it's going to be better for the Dodgers. We've seen the Dodgers, you know, whine, tire guys, tire guys out, uh, really grind it out and, and, you know, usually don't get full too often seeing the same guy a few times. Last year, a little bit different. They saw a lot of the NOS and AOS uh, pitchers a lot and didn't see anyone else. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how this goes. But I don't think it's going to benefit the Dodgers more than it benefits Blake Snell. And that's good for the Dodgers because if they do face them in the postseason, it'll be nice to have about 15 to 20 extra at-bats against him for every hitter uh, than it would if they just hadn't seen him blindly. So... Yeah, Blake Snell, we're excited as well, and yeah, it just makes me ready for the season. Um, I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about Fernando Tatis and his extension with the Padres, what it means for the Padres, what it means for the Dodgers, what it means for maybe a guy like Corey Seager, so make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Okay, if you have not heard, the Padres and Fernando Tatis agreed to a 14-year, $340 million contract $340 million contract extension uh, giving Fernando Tatis making him one of the highest paid players in baseball making him the one of the youngest to receive or he's getting the third biggest deal in baseball history at only 22 the other two are Mike Trout and Mookie Betts and they both got theirs at age 27 kind of an interesting time and uh, reason, I mean, I'm not sure what the Padres' reason was other than they wanted to show commitment to Tatis maybe this early. And, you know, it could potentially be a bargain for them as time goes on if he continues to progress and be the MVP candidate that they think he's going to be. Because in that case, they're going to get a guy for an AAV of around $25 million, I believe. And, yeah, that's good for them. And, it, you know, it's good for Tatis. But it's really interesting kind of the the takes that were being thrown around on social media about the Padres going all in and this adding to the Padres offseason while as a whole franchise organization, it added to their offseason. It didn't make them any better than they were yesterday or the day before. Fernando Tatis was going to be under team control for the next what, four or five years at least, and now they have them for longer than that, obviously, but it doesn't make them any better right now. It makes them the same team that they were before, and it's interesting because there's a few ways this can go and a few ways that of why it interests me of giving him 
you know, obviously the fact that he hasn't even played a full 162 games in the major leagues, that's a little interesting. I think I saw a Yasiel Puig comparison. Yasiel Puig, through his first two seasons, had about nine war or so, uh, although that was almost 250 games, if I'm not mistaken, whereas Tatis is around seven war in 143 games, so on a per-game basis, has better war and better numbers than Puig. But, I mean, for Puig to put up 9.6 war in two seasons, one of which was in a full season, you know, it's would have been worthy of, I guess, a contract extension back then. Uh, but, obviously, the Dodgers didn't give it to him. And the way things have played out, it worked out that they didn't give it to him. Now, obviously, they gave Puig a deal, $42 million deal, before they even saw him play. Uh, but that was a little bit different than $340 million, obviously. Uh, but for Tatis, it's interesting, and for the Padres, it's interesting to, first of all, give them the extension so early when we've never really seen this, of this magnitude. We saw uh, we saw Acuna with the Braves take one, but that was eight years, 100 mil, nowhere near this. And for me, the thing is, putting that kind of pressure on Tatis so young when he's already was going to have the pressure with all the hype that the Padres have, with all the hype that he's had. And now every time he gets in a slump, that $340 million extension is going to get thrown in his face. And every time, you know, he struggles or goes through something or gets injured, you know, this is going to be part of it. And while the Padres media may not be that difficult as maybe a Los Angeles, New York media, media and fans, it does put maybe a little bit of an unnecessary extra target on Tatis's back that I'm not sure he really needed. But hey, you know, I'm not knocking the Padres for doing what they did. Obviously not knocking Tatis for, for taking that deal and getting this extension. But it, it was interesting to me to put a little bit of an unnecessary target on his back this early in his career attached to that much money. But on the other side... Um, about the Padre side, it is it's interesting in the fact that they have this window now that they kind of trying to seize with the U Darvish deal, the Blake Snell deal, Musgrove, you know, bringing guys in. And well, like I said earlier, it doesn't make them better for this year because they were going to have Tatis anyways. But it does make it so that they may be the last time they tried to to do a quick rebuild and and rebuild on the fly. It didn't work out. They dismantled the team after that. And now they're back to, to this point where they're at now. But I don't think you can do that so easily with the Machado deal and the Tatis deal. So when it comes to the Dodgers in relation, you know, the Padres may be trying to stay relevant for longer than this little two, three year, four, four year window that they have. They may be trying to stay relevant for now the next seven to 10 years while they have Machado and Tatis on the books. And you know, for the Dodgers, we've talked about how they've, you know, sustainability and how they've kind of built a, a team that seems like it's never going to relinquish the division or at least never have a season where they're not a playoff contender. And this just adds to the fact that, you know, if the Padres are going to keep putting money and, and time and resources into building a competitive team, then that's something the Dodgers are going to have to go up against. You know, the Giants are, are trying to start to do that with Zaidi over there. You know, they're trying to slowly but surely build up the farm system and, and build up that team and become relevant. 
I can't see the Rockies being relevant for any time soon. The Diamondbacks are kind of in a weird spot as well. So it may be a little bit longer for them. So now, you know, the Dodgers go from maybe a couple years ago having nobody really to push them in the division after we kind of saw what happened to the Rockies to now having two teams with smarter front offices willing to spend money if they need to and probably, you know, try to find that sustainability, which is not always a bad thing. It's good for the Dodgers. It's always great to have competition. Uh, the Dodgers, you know, if they didn't have anyone to go up against or didn't have anyone to push them, it'd be hard for them to want to get better if it's not already on their own. And with Andrew Friedman, we've seen he's he's not he knows he's competing for World Series championships, not division titles. So he's looking so far above that he doesn't even see the division title. But it's a little something that you know, seeing these division titles and seeing teams that get better in their division, uh, you obviously want to be better than them. Now, when it comes to the extension and now Corey Seager's impending free agency, it's a little bit interesting. Obviously, you know, Seager, Correa, Baez, Story, all the guys that are going to be free agents after the season that play shortstop, Lindor, they are are not as young as Fernando Tatis Jr., but they are more established, most of them, or at least have you know four or five years to their name of being established MLB stars and MVP candidates. Now, obviously, they're not going to get 14-year deals for uh, $340 million because some of these guys are in range, you know, age range of near 30, you know, 26 or 27 to near 30. But, you know, does it going to change? You know, is the AAV going to be? similar or is is 25 mil what's going to get you a top tier shortstop now is that going to be a starting point now for any of these guys Uh, because you know theoretically if you really go into the numbers some of these guys have been better than Tatis in the more in recent past uh well definitely recent past since Tatis only been around two years uh but they may project to to be better or be more consistent you know Tatis we we don't know enough we've seen guys come up and and he seems to have all the skills and all the talent to be at least a all-star, perennial all-star in this league. But, hey, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but now some of these guys, you know, Corey Seager, what's Corey Seager thinking about after looking at that? He's like, okay, well, if he's gained 25 mil, I was a rookie of the year MVP candidate, had injuries, came back. You know, I was NLCS and World Series MVP. And, you know, I'm definitely looking at more than 25 mil a year now. And that is, it goes to the other point of, is that the, something the Dodgers are going to want to do? Now, it seems that with all the money coming off after this season and the season after that, you know, even with the Bauer contract, it'll be gone in two to three years. You know, signing Seager won't really hurt you. You still have Bueller and Julio and Bellinger all under team control for two, three, four more years. So you can sign Seager to that big extension. And while the years go on, the whatever money you gave him might seem less and less. And on Mookie's side as well, you know, what, what Mookie's making now might not be that much in three, four years if baseball gets things right and this pandemic goes away and everything gets kind of back to normal and they don't have too crazy or they don't have a work stoppage next year or that doesn't get too crazy at the very least. So... You know, Seager, 25, 30 mil a year, five, six years, whatever it is, you know, could be something very easily the Dodgers jump into knowing that they're going to have other guys under team control for a while, knowing that they have money coming off the books, knowing that, you know, Trevor, even Trevor Bowers coming off the books before that money will really start kicking in for Seager. So 
I'm really interested to see, you know, if any guy, any other guys, Lindor or Seager, which I don't think so, sign extensions, Trevor Story. You know, there's a lot of these shortstops, even Correa, uh, and and Baez probably seems the least likely to sign an extension or stay with the Cubs, but it's very possible that all the guys that are kind of going to be free agents next year are going to stay with their teams. Very, you know, it's very likely. Uh, Trevor Story may be the next one after Baez, just because if the, I don't see a reason for the Rockies to keep him around if they're not going to be good for a while. But hey, you know they're going to do what they want to do. But yeah, I mean, this, this is an unprecedented deal for sure. It's going to, you know, maybe make some teams look at their young players a little bit different. Uh, and honestly, I don't know if it's going to work in the way of more younger players getting extensions like this. I think it might go in the way of less younger players getting extensions like this. You know, an extension of Acuna's with 800, eight years, 100 mil, or Albies, I forget what the exact numbers were. But and the other extensions we've seen, you're usually buying out one or two of their free agency years uh, and giving them some guaranteed money over their arbitration years. This is completely blowing that out of the water. And I don't think there's any other team that's going to give $340 million to a 22-year-old that's played in less than 162 MLB games. And now that the precedent is kind of set on the player side, maybe not a precedent, but you know, if I, Tatis may just be one of those anomalies. But now that a precedent that there's deals out like that out there, I don't know if a guy is going to take an eight and hundred million dollar deal like Acuna did, you know. So for baseball, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's going to have the reverse effect where there's not going to be as many. Uh, not going to be as many big names signing these crazy extensions or signing extensions at all. I think it may be incentive for some of these mid-tier top prospects or, or top young players to maybe take deals or look for extensions uh, and get their money right away and maybe try to come out of free agency. Try to come out of free agency still at age thirty to thirty-two if they can. So. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this, but uh, you know it's exciting. Like I said, for for the Dodgers to have a team that's trying to compete with them in the NL West, I, I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it that I think it, it's going to benefit the Dodgers, especially coming off a World Series year, to have and especially kind of seeing how the Padres were just a little bit, you know, annoying or, or whatever you want to call it. But the, you know, the Dodgers did definitely notice the Padres last year and uh, brought out the best in them in the regular season to close out the regular season, brought out the best in them in, in the postseason. And obviously the Padres weren't at full strength. You know, they didn't have their starting pitchers. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that would have changed much other than maybe the Padres win one game. And now that they have a team that could potentially challenge the Dodgers, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out on their end. They have a lot of guys who maybe do for regression, a lot of guys that had 60 games that were kind of out of this world, and I don't know if you can expect that again. And, and some pitchers with with injury history, whereas the Dodgers, you could say that for a lot of them, and, and they've had it before. They've had years where their guys regressed a little bit. They've had years where they lost a lot of players to injury, and guess what? They still won the division and still were one of the best teams in baseball. And you just look at last year, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, a few guys in that Dodgers line, Jock Peterson had some of their worst, you know, years or 60 game stretches. Uh, the Dodgers were still 43 and 17. They had David Price opt out right before the season. They had Bueller kind of dealing with blisters and not getting, 
not pitching as much as he could. Kershaw a little bit injured at the beginning, and they still went out there and were the best team in baseball, winning 43 out of 60 games. So, you know, the Dodgers are built for this. We're not sure if the Padres are, but it's going to be exciting to see and going to be exciting to watch. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've said the word excited too many times on this, on this episode so far, but uh, that's really the word that describes how I feel right now to have baseball back. Uh, the workouts will continue. The play, or the first full squad workout is next week, and games will start, uh, I think, at the end, the last day of February, February 28th. So we're very, very close to having Dodger baseball back on and some actual analysis or news to kind of talk about. So that's exciting. I'm going to end on that. That's exciting. Uh, that'll be it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Lockdown Dodgers if you haven't already done so. Make sure you're listening every day if you're not already doing that. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Make sure you post about us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Amperio. If you call and leave a voicemail, if you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, you can do so at 323-863-5625 or send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.